Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Every time I think about the fact that we're doing a uh, show about one week till election day, you know that like awful but extremely catchy bare naked ladies song one week? It's been one week since you looked at me. Oh God, why did yeah. you say that? Now I'm going to have it in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Nancy Cook on how with just one week until the election, which also happens to be the amount of time this song is going to stay stuck in your head, the coronavirus pandemic is front and center. So with one week to go until the election day, President Donald Trump is spending the whole week going to rallies all across the country in a bunch of different key battleground states that he needs to win. He's going to Pennsylvania. He's expected to go to North Carolina, likely Florida. And basically his message in these closing rallies is... After the virus hit, we've recovered faster than any major nation on earth. But a vaccine on COVID is coming. People are making too big a deal of the coronavirus. And we are coming around. We're rounding the turn. We have the vaccines. We have everything. We're rounding the turn. Even without the vaccines, we're rounding the turn. It's going to be over. Uh, He is the perfect man to oversee the rebuilding of the economy. And you know who got it? I did. Can you believe it? Joe Biden is a super weak candidate. That's what he says. Sleepy Joe. Joe's corrupt. Joe's a criminal. For the last half century, Sleepy Joe Biden has been outsourcing your jobs, opening your borders, and sacrificing American blood and treasure. And that, you know, he needs to finish what he started and that he did all these things already, like appoint some conservative justices. And and he's not really saying what he'll do in a second term, but he's saying he needs to finish it. And we're going to win four more great years in the White House. We're going to keep it going. This is the most important election in the history of our country. The most important election. And those are some of his key closing arguments. And and the plan really is to just do a bunch of rallies, fire up the base as much as possible, and hope that that can carry them over the finish line. So that's Trump's message, that he needs to finish what he started and he has the pandemic under control. How does that compare to the reality in America right now? Well, the reality of what is happening in America now is that we are entering a moment when the coronavirus infection rate is spiking, and it's spiking in places that Trump needs to win. Well, the Midwest is seeing a surge in COVID-19 cases, and it makes the tri-state area rank in the top 10 states with the highest infection rates in the country. It's spiking in the Midwest, in rural areas. And so it's spiking um, in parts in Trump country. And a lot of Americans are worried about the winter. They're worried about having to stay indoors. Still, with colder months and flu season fast approaching, top doctors predict the worst could be yet to come. The stats are alarming. In 38 states and Washington, D.C., cases are climbing, with nearly half seeing infections increase by at least 50 percent. And we're seeing these coronavirus cases go up and hospitalizations really go up. As Trump keeps saying repeatedly that we are rounding the corner on the virus, the media is making too much of the virus. But meanwhile, there is another outbreak in the White House, and this time it's in Vice President Pence's office. Well, hello, Minnesota! 
There are at least five people in the Pence orbit that have been diagnosed with COVID in the last 24 to 48 hours. And so now, as he's sort of telling people the virus is not that big of a deal, there's an outbreak in his own vice president's office. And the vice president, one of his top advisors, Mark Short, who is his chief of staff, has COVID and is staying home and quarantining right now, just as Pence is barnstorming the country. And I'm here for one reason and one reason only. And that is that Minnesota and America need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. And, you know, trying to make the case that Trump should win a second term. Okay, so on one hand, you have President Trump saying the worst is behind us. They're beating COVID. On the other, cases are surging. And there's even a new outbreak in the White House after there was already one where Trump himself got coronavirus earlier this month. I mean, I know you want to be positive when you're campaigning, but what's the strategy behind saying things that really seem to negate reality here when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic? Well, I think that what they're trying to do is rouse the base who they've tried to convince the whole time that the coronavirus is not that big of a deal and that masks are a partisan issue. They're trying to basically turn out as many people as they can. And I talked to one former senior administration official over the weekend who told me that the reality is if you think coronavirus is a big deal, that you're not going to vote for Trump anyway. And so I think that is the bet at this point, that they are thinking that they just need to get enough of the base turned out and enough Republicans who think that this is overblown to the polls compared to the Democrats and that they'll win. And it's also just, you know, a strategy for Trump to downplay his biggest political liability, his administration's handling of the coronavirus, the lack of testing, the fact that schools are still closed, there's not a lot of professional sports. This is his political weakness. So it's in his interest to try to act like it's under control and to also downplay it. What about Joe Biden? What's his team's endgame, their strategy for the last seven days of the campaign? Well, I think that they're going to hit COVID extremely hard. And I think their messaging is, look, there have been two outbreaks in the White House, big outbreaks in the month of October. If they can't handle even controlling the virus in their own White House, how can you expect them to handle controlling the virus for the whole country? The virus is surging in almost every state. We passed 4.8 million cases. And when Trump was asked this week, what do you do differently to get the pandemic response right from the start? His answer was, and I quote, not much. Not much. So I think that is part of the message. But I think the other place that the Biden camp is really trying to gain ground on Trump is with this message of the economy. Biden's plan will keep small businesses like the one I work at from going under. We need a better plan. We need better leadership. We need Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. The economy has always been the best message for Trump. And later this week, we're going to get new GDP numbers that I know the campaign is sort of eagerly anticipating and they want to tout. But what we've seen in polling is that increasingly over the last six months, the number of Americans who trust Biden on the economy has crept up so much so that a recent poll showed it sort of on par with Trump. So that just shows that Biden has in addition to his advantage on how Americans view his potential handling of the coronavirus, he's also eaten into Trump's best argument, which is the economy. And now they're sort of neck and neck on who Americans think is best poised to handle that. 
with just a week left before November 3rd, is there anything you're watching that you like really think could decide this election or swing any voters one way or another? I think that COVID is really going to play a huge factor. But you have to remember that the election is not entirely being decided over the next seven days. Um, I think a third of the country has already voted. There has been so much early voting that things that have come up that may have been political liabilities in the past, like some of uh, former Vice President Joe Biden's comments about the oil industry and the debate that the Trump campaign that we're psyched about. By the way, I have a transition from the oil industry. Yes. Oh, I will transition. It is a big statement because I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes. That may not matter as much because so many people have voted early. So I think that what we're looking at is a race where polling has been remarkably stable over the last six months, where Biden has been leading both nationally and in a bunch of key battleground states. And so many people have voted. So the race is not totally going to be decided over these next seven days. But what I will be watching over the next seven days is where Trump goes for his rallies, if Pence can continue to campaign when there's an outbreak in his office, and the things that the Trump campaign tries to do to distract from COVID-19. Are they going to talk about the GDP numbers? Are they going to keep trying to make Hunter Biden a thing when that hasn't really been successful for them? And where do they see the path? Because what we're seeing is Trump sort of go from state to state that they're worried about, like North Carolina and Florida. And so where do they see that they can make up that ground? Nancy Cook, thanks so much for talking with me. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Also today, the heads of some of Silicon Valley's biggest tech companies are preparing to testify before lawmakers on Capitol Hill. On Wednesday, the Senate Commerce Committee will hold a hearing with Google CEO Sundar Pichai, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, and Twitter's Jack Dorsey about protections that shield tech companies from lawsuits for hosting, taking down, and moderating content. They're expected to be grilled by Republicans on the committee about allegations that they're biased against conservatives. Facebook and Twitter in particular have faced heightened criticism in recent weeks from GOP officials for limiting the circulation of a disputed New York Post article alleging direct ties between Joe Biden and his son's business interests. And stocks in the U.S. are taking a hit as the country sees an alarming rise in coronavirus cases. On Monday, the S&P 500 fell 1.9%, marking its biggest single-day decline in more than a month. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average slid by nearly 2.3%. Stocks also fell across much of Europe and Asia. Analysts attribute the drop to a surge in COVID cases, new restrictions across much of Europe, and the ongoing standoff in Washington over another round of stimulus. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on all of the latest on the coronavirus pandemic and the election, sign up for the Politico Nightly Newsletter at politico.com newsletters. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.